You are listening to the Overfunctioning Leadership Podcast, learning leadership concepts through life experience. Hello, friends. Welcome to another podcast brought to you by Of Leadership. I am Alex. I'm John. And I'm Zach. And today we are going to be talking about extraordinary or extraordinary, wait, extraordinary. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Extra Extraordinary or extraordinary relationships. Thank our, you for helping me. Yeah, our last podcast, we talked about ordinary relationships, so that's yeah. kind of a boring one. So yeah. this is extraordinary. <laughs> and this is episode number 37. Uh, whose episode is this, John? Uh, so there was a guy that played for the Bengals, Tommy Casanova, Ooh. defensive back in the 1970s, <laughs> number 37. Now, did he have like some swoopy hair and like, did he have like, I don't know, perpetually a rose in his mouth? And- I only saw him with his helmet on. Okay. Long locks. I'm assuming like long locks. I don't know. It might be because of his first name. You speak of him rather dreamily. <laughs> it's like he was like a... Are you feeling lonely, Alex? <laughs> if you lost some, uh, listen to the last podcast, I may be. You are. <laughs> so um, we're going to get there in a second. But before we do that, obviously, we need to recap our last podcast, which was not about ordinary relationships, uh, but it was actually about efficiency and productivity, in which, man, that podcast was very productive. Efficient. <laughs> Some would say deficient. Yes, deficient. And deficiently efficient? A productive. So, uh, when it comes to leadership, how do you become a better, productive, more efficient leader? According to Bowen Family Systems Theory. Well, rational world would say you should plan and think carefully about procedures and policies, but typically that's not enough, that there is the emotional sphere, which involves relationships with people, and most plans that leaders put out and implement have to be done by others, and so relationships are pretty important. Hmm. Kind of like something we're going to talk about today. Yeah, like some more than ordinary relationships. (laughs) Yes, yeah, like extra gum, right? Extra gum relationships or something. Like super minty fresh? Yeah. Anyways, why would they call it extra gum? Is it because you have more? Because Did you, regular more gum is just not enough. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of extra gum, we're going to go into fables, which makes no sense. Um, <laughs> anyway, so go ahead and actually take out all of your, what was it, like the Bazooka Joe gum? It was really hard. Take all those out. Rip them all up. Chew them. For about 15 seconds, you know you're going to lose the juice. And read the comics. Good. Read the comics and spit them all out and get ready for this, this fable brought to you by John. Well, I was thinking about this topic of relationships and Friedman, Ed Friedman, who studied under Murray Bowen, talked about how stress is worrying about problems that belong to someone else. He also spoke about many of our challenges and stresses deal with relationships and One of the jobs that I have is I do some leadership coaching with individuals, and I would say most of the time when I start talking with someone that has a particular challenge, it almost always starts off with something in the rational world, Uh, an issue they're having with a colleague where someone's not doing their responsibility or procedures aren't being followed. 
but it doesn't take very long, doesn't take very many questions to get to the root of the problem. And there can be some rational world problems where ex expectations haven't been clearly communicated, but oftentimes there is just a fundamental tension between two people and they're not quite sure how to handle that issue with another person. So I think this fable relates really well to our last podcast where it's not just about efficiency and getting stuff done, but it's more often about relationships and dealing with people who can be somewhat difficult. Hmm. And within your description of uh, what you just talked about, you talked about how rationally expectations aren't clearly stated, which in some ways I think could also be an emotional issue from the get-go. So as, as a leader, if you don't put the expectations out, there's probably a reason why they were not clearly stated by the leader, which probably comes from the emotional world and not necessarily the rational world in some cases, unless literally they just forgot to read them off a piece of paper or something. So anyways. I mean, what if you don't know what you want? <laughs> and yeah, I mean, tell me what you want. What you really, really want is what I want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. <laughs> and John, go the rest, the next lyric. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. That that would be U2, correct? And, yes. And so UK? Is U2 from the UK? Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. see those good Spice, from, yeah. Spice Girls, U2, they're all from over there. They're yeah. across the pond. So One deals with societal issues in their music, and the other deals with their... Personal issues. <laughs> Personal issues. <laughs> Different spheres of influence. Rational world, emotional world, I would say. Yeah, they, they tie together quite well. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> anyways. So extraordinary relationships actually comes from um, this thought. A lot of the thoughts that we're going to come from are from Roberta Gilbert's book titled Extraordinary Relationships. Um, thank you, Roberta Gilbert. Uh, we'll give you the, you know the rights and the extra proceeds that we get from this podcast. <laughs> we'll, we'll go ahead and send that check right in the mail. Don't, Don't expect much. No, not much Won't at cover all. cover postage. <laughs> C-O-D. Actually, it's going to be a, it's going to be a purchase order because we're that, that legit. <laughs> so we won't really bounce the check. It's just the purchase order that will be bounced instead. We'll just put a bunch of numbers down. Anyways, so extraordinary relationships. She, talks a lot about these things. And so, John, wh what are we talking about? How do you have extraordinary relationships? What are some of the things that are needed for those things to happen? Well, I think it starts with self. Uh, oftentimes, people will say, well, I, I believe in servant leadership, and I believe in putting people's people before myself. And, and, and those things sound quite noble and somewhat, uh, you know, uh, desirable. But uh, she talks about that extraordinary relationships really begin with the maturity of self. And when one begins to mature self, the relationships they have, she describes those in three ways, that relationships are separate, they're equal, and they're open. Okay. It's really difficult to have separate, equal, open relationships if I, myself, am not a very mature person. Because what I have to do is I have to borrow from people and borrow from circumstances just to make myself function. And so being a more mature self allows me to have separate, equal, and open relationships. Okay. So maybe let's break those three different steps down with 
um, separate, equal, and open. So separate meaning what? Well, she says that there's um, the phrase that, that always worries her and her, her in her therapy is someone who says that this person completes me mm. um, or they're my being or my all in all. And that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody else. So the separate piece is there's not, this is the, the ideal, there's no borrowing and trading of self. So somebody else's emotions don't make me happy or sad that I can, that I can choose whether or not emotionally to respond to them or not respond to them depending on the situation. So basically we're not fused together. Mm -hmm. And there's an independence that's involved here of, you know, um, whatever relationship is, I'm going to allow you to grow the way that you desire to grow. And meanwhile, I'm going to do the same thing. And inherently now this changes when you get married and you make commitments with people and all sorts of things. Um, but you know, within a non-married committal kind of relationship, it's almost saying if I'm going to be a friend with you or we're going to be in a relationship somehow, I'm okay with you if it comes to a point and you're having growth or I'm having growth, we can actually grow away from each other and actually be separate and being okay with that. And so that's not saying that you're not going to continue to stay connected to that person, um, but it's almost to a point where saying, I am so going to keep this a separate relationship that I'm going to allow you to grow the, the way that you need to. And if that means that we're not going to be as connected as, as much as we used to, I'm okay with that because that means that I'm continuing to be myself and you continue to be yourself. And so, um, but that's really hard to say. Uh, so I was reading a book by a guy named Avram Nadejel. I'm not sure if I'm saying the last name right, but Avram was talking about how um, uh, on se several levels, but on, on one level, we, we see people who are complementary in dating relationships, that they, mm -hmm. they sort of seem to complete one another to meet each other's needs. But on the other hand, we live in a time and place that really seems to exaggerate the positivity of uh, codependent relationships. And so you almost <clears throat> see that counterproductive emphasis where you end up with these mashings of persons of selves and you end up with relationships that struggle because people separate to figure out who they are and, and that seems a little odd it does seem odd and we had a question from one of our listeners about scripture and how what does it mean to be one flesh? Mm -hmm. Scripture, the Bible talks about that a man will leave his father and mother and become one flesh. And they asked me the question, okay, so you're telling me that relationships should be separate, equal, and open. But what I'm reading is that they should be uh, a unit, uh, a couple, mm -hmm. the marital bond. That sounds like fusion. Yeah. But we're saying separate, so... A question I'm asking, which I'm not really sure where, where the answer lies, is how can I be separate yet together? Well, I mean, isn't that lying the definition of what a commitment is, right? I mean, what is it? Yeah. So if you're making a commitment or in some ways, I think, I don't know how strong you want to go with this, but covenant is a big word that would be connected to that too. Uh, and marriage is a commitment, but it's also, I don't know if it's, I don't know, but... I'm trying to think, does that word covenant come out within marriage ceremonies? Is it is it a covenant, or they don't use that language anymore? 
Uh, I think it depends on if the marriage is religious in nature. Okay. okay. Yeah. Covenantal is typically in the religious sense. Gotcha. So, like, non-religious, let's just go with the most basic of ceremonies would be still commitment. There's still a, the I do's and, and all those things, right? So, mm-hmm. so what does it mean to be in a committed relationship? And still be a separate person. Yeah. So, overall, commitment is saying, I'm going to be in relationship with you through thick and thin that's kind of the whole i do's and all those things right that's that's what those the vows are for and you'll see self-written vows but the the standard uh copy uh paste ones are uh you got sickness sickness and health health. richer or poor yeah Uh, is there one more i feel like they always come in threes high fives and non-high fives yeah through many kids and or dogs (laughs) And so, oh, or cats. But but you get but that, and so like you, you assume um, that that's w- where that commitment centers around. It's a promise to uphold those certain values that are the the vows. I I will do these things, and that's sort of the cornerstone, right? Is that that's where that stands? Yeah, I mean that, that seems to be what those commitments are based off of. But John's question still is, how do you have committed a relationship with those vows and still stay as a separate person? I mean, you just look at those those vows themselves. What are we vowing to do? In, in, for richer or poorer. That you're, I know, you're, those are the conditions. I know, I know, I know. I know yeah. What are we committing to do? Sounds like committing to stay with that person. To stay married. Yes. So a person can stay married... And be a separate person. So I think she would talk about in her book uh, on the separate piece that that a person can pursue their own interests even if it doesn't include their spouse. So if someone likes to, I don't know, hike or the outdoors and the other spouse doesn't, to invite them along. And if they don't want to go, that's fine. And say, well, I'm going to go on the hike as Mm -hmm. opposed to saying, well... I'm going to give up hiking because he doesn't like hiking. So I just not going to go hiking. Yeah. So you're kind of losing self to try to please another. I think there may be something there. Mm, Interesting. So when it comes to, it's interesting because we'll go right into this. We'll talk about how many times you hear like opposites attract and, and I, I don't know exactly how true that is nowadays. I have no idea, but Within a self-differentiated, somebody who's looking for the separateness in there, that would make a lot of sense if opposites attract because then what are you attracted to this person about? You'd be attracted to the things that they aren't like you. So like, oh, they like to hike. I don't really like to hike, but at least we have something now different to talk about because if if we have all the same things, then we're going to do all the same things and then I won't really be separated from you. And so... Maybe I shouldn't be interested in the exact same person that is me. And what's interesting is that I've actually ran into, including myself, looking myself in the mirror, but also other people who in their search for dating people are trying to find people who are like themselves, but it never ends up working out. So are we talking about interests like themselves? Because I know Bowen spoke of that individuals who are a of about the same level of differentiation tend to find one another and become friends and, and sometimes marry. 
is that different than what you're speaking about in that context? Most definitely, yes. Yeah, self-differentiate is di- differentiation inherently brings in this is purpose of separateness, of developing self, individual self, um, which isn't dependent upon somebody else. Although we are relational beings, but then how do opposites attract? <clears throat> uh, my guess is that it is from an interest level and not a differentiation okay. level. The opposites yeah. attracting would be like, wow, this person is really into anime, and I'm not. But at least that person has that, and I don't have that, and that makes me interested in you because I don't do this exact same thing. Yes, we have some things that are probably in common, but overall, why do I find you interesting is because I don't do any of the things you do. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of what this separate piece is about is that, wow, I'm not you, and you're not me, and I find the things that are different about you, and that's what attracts me to you. I want to say on the other side of that, we know I love something, and what is that something? Sports. Oh, a different S word, spectrums. Uh, <laughs> Avram, again, what, what a guy. Uh, maybe one day we can have him as a guest. We can only hope. Yep. But uh, he, he talks about how we tend to, the opposites attract somewhat has to do with these spectrums, you know, the separation, the closeness. the. So, so I look at you and I'm like, wow, like Alex, you completely, like I'm that introvert and you're that extrovert. And like, I just admire the way that you draw people into you and that you can interact with people. And that's not really my my thing but i really appreciate that about you or you really draw me out of my shell and and it's just something that like you make me feel special because you come out of your way and you get to know me and that just means the world to me you know and and so getting choked up here a little bit (laughs) and so you look at that and and that's awesome right but then you do the flippity flop and you push yourself into a relationship. Mm. Um, the opposites attract also refers to the way you deal with emotional processes, maybe. And so maybe your extroverted nature means some level could possibly correspond with a, a fusing, whereas I come from a family where I separate. And so while in the relationship, you know, you're a very close, touchy, together like <laughs> person, you know, I, I take a step back and. That, that could lead to issues on the emotional processes level. But hmm. if we're both equally unaware of it, you know, equally differentiated, maybe we attract. Mm-hmm. So are you are you trying to go down the equal state right now? Well, uh, I'm asking, are, are you single? What's up? Are, are you single? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah. Remember okay. the last podcast. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. My heart's still hurting. We'll grab coffee sometime. You can talk to me about it. Cry on my shoulder. <laughs> will you be open to me talking to you? I will treat you like an equal. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. So to kind of recap the separateness, it seems like this, this is falling along the lines of self-differentiation, right? Being able to develop as a self within my, my own journey and taking the walk with each other through the journey. Um, that could be hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, or just walking by each other with another dog, um, which John and I like to do on hikes. Um, but anyways, it's it's walking together and being okay with this. You know, you're different from me, and and that's okay. So let's go to the equal piece. What does the equal piece mean? The equal piece. She talks about that each accepts other. This is her quotes. Each accepts the other as no more or less talented, 
responsible, or free. I'll read that again. Each person accepts the other one as no more or no less talented, responsible, or free. Hmm. I read this quote in my leadership class today, and I had a lot of questions about this. <laughs> Students asked about, what does this mean? So we had a good discussion about it. <clears throat> so you're telling me it's not about the end product, right? So it's not like um, in some ways that, uh, and I'm definitely guilty of this, is if I do these things, then I'm going to be expecting something else out of you. Like, okay, well, I moved it this way, and I did these things for you, and now it's time for you to do some things for me. Right. In some ways, could that be part of that equalness piece is that, okay, I'm growing, you're not growing. It's time to, you know, help me out or I don't know. Is that, is that part of what you're talking about? Maybe I have no idea. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm been thinking through these words about, so what does it mean? Let's start with the, one at a time. What does it mean in a, in a relationship? It doesn't have to be a marriage relationship. It's a, mm-hmm. it can be a friendship where I accept the other one as no more or less talented than myself. What does that mean? Perceived capabilities, the potential that they have to reach, the the heights that they can achieve, the and I think that plays a lot into your ability, your need to guide and direct them to achieve those heights. Mm-hmm. If I don't view you as talented as me, mm-hmm. well, maybe I should teach you, or maybe mm-hmm. I should push you, or maybe mm-hmm. I should grow you. or mm-hmm. And that's something that you can only achieve if I'm there to help you, because mm-hmm. I'm the talented one. Yeah, and then that hits on, because this is under the, the paragraph about over and under functioning. Mm. So I think that hits on that idea of, let me, let me, I'm the, I'm the, the bright one here. Let me kind of help you along. Mm-hmm. You know, interesting. But, and I wonder if, you know, uh, the part of what am I getting out of this kind of goes into that too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not trying to get something out of every, everything that I'm doing. I'm not trying to get something out of you. Mm-hmm. I've definitely seen the under functioning side of that in some friendships I've had from high school where they'll, they come and they talk with me because they don't view themselves as capable of navigating their lives themselves. Hmm. And so interesting, uh, even to the point of a particular friend saying the phrase to me, I'm not good at thinking, so I need you to ask me less open ended questions or something like that, like almost to guide how he thought or how he would approach an issue. And uh, uh, Bowen's theory, let me just say, without taking that back from a level and looking at the emotional processes and also some of the physical um, issues that were uh, troubling him at the time. But just like it definitely prevented me from being him being codependent on me, codependent, dependent, being dependent on me to function. And it could have very easily fallen into that role if I had thought, hmm, I can help him grow or be better if I just show him how to do it by telling him what to do. Hmm. Well, she talks about, you know, each, so I'll read it again, each accepts the other as no more or less responsible. That's the second one, which is yeah. what you're hitting on. Um, and then the third one, she says, so I'll just, I think that just reading the whole sentence helps. Each accepts the other as no more or less free. I think that's interesting. What does that mean? 
each each accepts the other one as no more or no less free. So freedom has to do with being able to do what you want to do, right? And having that almost freedom of will, no more or less free. Willful choice, not pressured by another to act a certain way. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's certainly, it bleeds into separateness here, too. Yeah. Hmm. What's chaining, chaining you? Are you stuck on your former flame, right? Mm. You still thinking about that X? Are you obsessed with um, a, br- a, a sibling who passed away and you can't get past that? Are you... Uh, do you always bring up your dog that died when it was, when you were younger? Do you, what, where do you keep coming back to? Are you stuck at a job that you just can't leave? Are you, I don't know. I'm, I'm brainstorming here. Mm -hmm. So wait, wait, explain how that fits into this freedom piece then. Um, I can imagine in terms of think of like people that you've talked to who have broken up with a significant other for, for weird little things like that. Like Mm -hmm. they're. You know, we we just don't, you know, we don't manage, manage our finances the same way or like. Oh, I like see what you're saying. Where, where, what is so important to you that you can't let go of that? And that, that becomes a chain in a good or a bad way. Yeah. Does this, is this tied to some sort of expectation too? So I'm expecting, geez, you know, I'm expecting a certain response after I say these things and. Uh, emotionally I'm sharing these things and I'm expecting this response. And if I don't get it, then like somehow we're not equal anymore because I've shared more than you have. And yeah, like for example, I'm looking for some, a significant other that I, in my head, I envision traveling. And this person says, you know, as a trivial example, you know, I'm never going to leave Northeastern Ohio. Well, that, that's a literal, freedom of mobility that they don't have because mm-hmm. they just don't want to. And so, I mean, that's an expectation, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what's important and does, is that f- leave you free to, to work together as that unit in that relationship or not? Mm-hmm. Can I take that example back to a previous comment where you said he was in, he was into anime. You said, I have no idea what that is. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like, I don't know, Japanese. Yes. The, the, the Japanese Animation. people have cartoons oh, called yeah. manga that okay. they then animate into TV shows oh, yeah. called anime. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so, but you, the context that you gave was, boy, you do that. I'm don't, I'm kind of interested in that. Where do we get to incompatibility? So oh, yeah. we have nothing in common or we've grown apart and I want to travel, but this person likes to stay home. I like funny movies. They like serious ones. We have nothing in common. Therefore, we have separated and we have divorced or we no longer are dating. Where does that fit into that? It, so can I then my response to that? It's well, it's not really it's not it's not you. It's me. Right. You've, yes, you've heard that. <laughs> oh, yes. Unfortunately, I'm just joking. <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever told me that. But maybe as a, you know, as an 18 year old, I might have said that. I don't know. But yeah, I hear there's got to be some sort of com- compatibility. And and I'm 
I think we should probably maybe drive away a little bit from just relationships, even though they're important when it comes to significant others. But I mean, from a leadership standpoint too, it's uh, relationships with my parents or relationships with my siblings or relationships with my coworkers as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, there's going to be things you're going to find somebody, coworker, somebody in your family. You probably have nothing in common with this mm-hmm. person. And is that okay? Is the question, you know, does that drive you together? Does that drive you apart? Um, I can I can definitely see how that would drive some people apart because we don't have anything in common. What's our commonality here? What are we doing? Um, but I believe that Roberta Gilbert would say something uh, a little bit different and. I don't know. I feel like the word starts with an O and ends with a pen. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So open. Separate what is openness? Open. Yeah. Well, she talks about, and I don't want to put words in her mouth, but it seems to me that the first two, separate and equal, if if the relationship that I have or we have with another are both separate and equal, then open is a natural outflow. By mm-hmm. open, she refers to open and honest communication. So it's it seems to me that the first two, separate and equal, are necessary for the third. Mm-hmm. And it, it becomes more automatic that the communication is more open, that you're freely sharing thoughts, using I statements, and sharing your perspective without willing another to change. And I think it's an outflow of the separate and equal posture. Mm-hmm. And ideally, this would be bred out of a, a, a state of lower anxiety. I can't imagine that when we are more chronically or the the anxiety within the system rises higher my guess is that these three things probably go down could be could these things what, go what down three things go down open equal separate it might be harder to do these things in a relationship where there's more anxiety would that be true oh i think absolutely yeah. i think w- w- when anxiety rises uh, i had a student in my leadership class today yesterday talk about emotional process and we observed some things about emotional process. And then on the board, this was really interesting. He drew a line. And what these all have in common, he said, every one of these is togetherness. Every one of these is togetherness. And Bowen teaches that when on the individuality and togetherness spectrum, what typically happens is when anxiety rises, you people fuse to one another. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we get so fused, then we cut off. So people talk about cut off, like I'm an independent person, mm-hmm. I don't need anyone. But oftentimes that stems from such intense connection that it's so uncomfortable that one then decides to separate. And I think in our culture, you know, we see that today with people who commit horrible crimes almost always are fused at one time. And then that was such a painful experience that they've cut off and then thinking that'll make the situation better and actually just leads to more anxiety. Yeah. I didn't mean to drill your openness talk, but that's kind of where it led mm-hmm. me. Oh, yeah. So back to the openness thing. So if you're equal and separate, then you can be more open with each other. The word that I think of is curiosity, too. So it leads to more curiosity. Uh, I love the word adventurism. I think it leads to more of that and ability to take more risks. I think the the curiosity piece is also interesting in the sense that we're talking about I statements, but we're comfortable enough with the I, with who I am and what I'm about, that I can express a healthy interest in you Mm -hmm. without 
trying to shape you or be like you or need um, the commonalities that we've talked about earlier in this episode that can lead to some issues, you know, having to share certain interests or traits or things that we can have a potentially broader spectrum of relationships. Can I ask a question on that? So in that posture, so let's put it from the other person's perspective in the way you frame that. Do you think that that's going to help that other person to reach their goals and to be able to live their own life? I'm somewhat leading the witness here, but leave, li, 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 live their own life, reach their goals, self-actualize. Do you think that that's the case? I mean, I once heard from the man who first introduced me to resilient leadership through a study saying that leading questions are typically bad questions, but (laughs) I would agree with you. I would say yes. The reason I ask is I, I, so I have someone that, that, um, I'm going to be doing a talk for, and they said, uh, that they asked if the way I framed this talk that I would first talk about serving others before I talked about developing self. And, and we do this. We talk about this notion of it's it's noble to put others before yourself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But if you work on self, does that then not allow you then to serve others more effectively? Because you don't need, I think sometimes, and people, our listeners can disagree with, or you guys can disagree with me, I don't care, but <laughs> I think sometimes we serve for our own personal benefit. Like oh, yeah. It makes us feel good. I remember when I used to be advisor at a key club many, many years ago, I'd ask kids why they would serve and do service projects. And the number one answer they told me was, it makes me feel good. Uh-huh. And I said, that's pretty selfish. No, I never said that. But, <laughs> but it's interesting that that's the first thing that they say. And I'm wondering if I can work on self. Sure, serving others is helpful, but I just don't need them to come through for me. So I think serving others begins with growing self. I think in some ways that breeds humility as well. So if you can look at yourself and start looking at all the mess that you have to clean up, it helps you understand that other people are also going through messes. You know, this isn't like... I don't know. I, I guess I could hear somebody saying, well, you need to work on self. Be like, well, that's very selfish. How could, how dare you? Mm-hmm. You should be helping other people. Why work on yourself? And I've heard that. I feel like I've heard that. I've felt that from other people talking about how do I work on myself? You know, that sounds so selfish. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, you, you discover how broken your relationships really are with your family and with other people. And man, I should really work on these things. And yikes, that sounds like a lot of work. And am I the only one doing this? No. <laughs> well, isn't it funny? You probably, when I, I, I'll speak for myself here and we'll, you guys can chime in, but that moment when you start looking inward usually isn't the result of someone else saying, you should look at yourself. It's usually the result of you having tried to shape everything around you, trying to be that control or do things your way or think or act or, and finding that it's led you into this place that is not where you intended and the only thing left to look at is yourself that eureka moment per se is usually not from someone else trying to shape you or at least in my case 
it's not when people have shaped me, but it's when I've decided to change myself and in this sense of humility postured myself at that point after that instance to learn from others. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many students told me today there. I have students getting ready to do a leadership retreat and coming up with different ideas to present at this leadership retreat. And I asked a couple people about like, how did you decide on your guiding principles? Where did this come from? And they said, from doing things wrongly, (laughs) you know, like I screwed these things up. How did you grow? I went through a really hard time. And this is like, if you watch any other movie, any story that's really good is people got to a point where they thought, I need to start looking at what I'm doing. Right. And this is, I mean, this is kind of the, the part where people are like, well, they just have to hit rock bottom first and whatever that means. But like, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's interesting that that's kind of what we're talking about here. And, um, with, with putting Bowen, the systems theory behind, what does that mean? It makes sense to why people would say something similar to that. Well, I had to, I had to go through that or I had to go through this. Um, well, it takes a, a from there. I would say that it takes a certain level of self differentiation. Maturity might be an, also an interchangeable word there to be able to say, "I can take your experience. We'll call it risk in a particular degree. I'll take the risk that you've shown me that can happen, and I have the." The maturity, the self-understanding to look at myself and know how that risk applies to me and my capabilities and what I can achieve and what I'm currently able to do and use that as a proper assessment so that when I look at Alex and I see him touch the stove and I know I myself am also human, I'm not going to touch that hot stove too. (laughs) I'm going to hear his shriek of pain and also learn from that. So what you're saying is w- with these relationships about being separate, equal, equal, separate, and open, and what we've just talked about with hitting rock bottom or going through something, it's almost like you get to a point and you say, I need to do something differently. <laughs> and when we talk about Bowen Family Systems Theory, I don't know how many times John and I have discussed how You know, um, whether you've been doing some sort of presentation or I've been talking to different people and and Zach in the same way, you may not phrase it this way, but it's like, you know, this is something different. Bone family systems theory is a different look on what's actually happening with in relationships. Right. And and it, it, it makes you question, okay, how are my relationships going right now? And this is a different foundation to maybe, maybe I should try something differently. Like this, this, it's not really working out for me right now real well. And maybe I should try something differently. Maybe that's when we're, when we're talking about somebody's going through something really hard, they get to a point where like, I need to do something different. I, I feel like I can hear those words from different movies and stories and other people I've talked to. And they just got to a point where they say, I need to do something differently. That's, I mean, that's really the crux of what, what this whole podcast is about is like, deciding to do something differently from what you've normally done because of that's your automatic functioning or, you know, that's the way you were raised all sorts of anxietal baggage from chronic anxiety um, and saying, maybe I should do something differently from what I've usually done. Yeah. In studying Bowen theory, reciprocity is all throughout the theory. So it makes sense to do something different because reciprocity is where one change happens somewhere else, something else changes. And that's where, that's why that phrase is useful. Mm-hmm. 
So in a, in, in a recap of doing something different, especially with relationships, and we talked about extraordinary relationships, the three things that, that you can do that are going to be a little bit different from other relationships perhaps, just thinking through it differently would be those three things of being equal, separate, and open. And equalness has to do with what again? Well, I prefer the order separate, equal, and open. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, separate, but, equal, open. Let's start with separateness then. But it, it's un, it, it's avoiding that togetherness, that instinctive uh, desire to avoid awkwardness by saying we need to be the same and understanding that it's actually better if we're our own people, even if we clash on that sometimes. And the equal piece is Roberta Gilbert. Yeah, she would say I'm no more talented, free, or responsible than another. And over and under functioning are, again, this is a continuum, but I don't function for another. I don't rely on another, but I am a resource for another. Mm -hmm. And then the last piece is the openness piece, which is an outflowing of the two separate equal and then becoming open of, you know, being curious and be, be different. What's, what's going on and being open to what, what, what's going to, where's this relationship going to go? Being open to that, all those things. So give it a shot. I think these three, man, Roberta Gilbert really hit it on the head when she talks about these three. And so check it out in her book. She's extraordinary relationships, or it could be actually, I think she talks about it also in the cornerstone concept as well. Um, maybe an extraordinary leadership, man, probably it's, Re it's rehashing. It's a, it's a quite the foundation. So anyways, with, within the work that she's put together. So really, really helpful to think about when it comes to your relationships, how can you become more separate, equal and open Check her stuff out because she, of course, is going to flesh it out more than what we have done so far. I mean, we've done a pretty awesome job, but, you know. Pretty efficient. Um, by the way, we did talk about a couple other things within this podcast about giving good advice. And so that can help you when we're talking about these relationships. Um, advice giving is can be a big crux within a relationship. And so we did a, a podcast on that one. Also on guiding principles. So um, when it comes to being separate a lot of it comes down to what your purpose and your guiding principles are. And so we also did a podcast on that. So, and a lot of words we've used over and over again, self-differentiation. If you look back at some of our old podcasts and you're trying to understand what these mean, just go ahead and go back to those. And, um, you know, those would be really helpful as well. So, you know, just plug our own podcast. No big deal. So I think that's going to wrap us up, gentlemen. Yeah. And if you're a listener, we, we recommend that you contact us. Um, where, where should they contact us? Uh, we have an email address. Uh, it's on the World Wide Web. Mm. It's at um, the of podcast at gmail dot com. Of is O F. Yeah, not U V. Yeah, yeah. And of I, you know, Zach, I've heard a lot about this of leadership. I feel like it, we used to be over functioning leadership and we've been using this of a little bit more are you hinting at a future rebranding maybe that is, uh, well, what is this going of to be all occurring about? shortly yeah uh -huh. so uh in the near future we'll be uh dropping a new logo uh some oh, really? new branding we'll be calling ourselves of leadership and uh, it'll be leading into uh what we'll affectionately call the second season of <laughs> this uh podcast 
Hopefully it doesn't get canceled. Hopefully not. I mean, really just call your cable companies and (laughs) tell them you love our program. Um, And then the of, why it's called of, by the way, it has to do, of is a preposition, which brings parts to a whole. And so we're looking at all the parts of leadership that we've thought about through our lives. And this is what Bowen does too, is is this top-down view of what's going on, the parts, and bringing them to a whole of what's the new lens I could look through, right? What's the whole of leadership we can look through of the same lens, you know, through being separate, equal, and open. So you have it. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Simplecast, Facebook. Soon to be website, hopefully. Uh, we'll let you know when that drops and, you know, be part of this whole, you know, let us know when you've been part of a relationship that hasn't been separate, separate equal, or open. You know, we'd love to hear back from you. Oh, yeah. 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 Any questions are welcome. We're very any, open. Any questions. <laughs> and if you're looking for someone to make tunes for, say, your own podcast, or we, we highly recommend Jesse Huffstetler or Jetler, uh, contact us again, and we can get you in contact with him. Thanks for the sick beats and the uh, musical sagedom. Yes, most definitely. And with that, my name is Alex. I'm John. And I'm Zach. And we will catch you on the next podcast. The Flippity Flop. See you around. Adios. Zalong.